Good morning, everybody. Yes. Isn't that great? I think it's great to start by making a mistake because that's life, isn't it? The microphone is on and it is Super Bowl Sunday. Who's excited? Who's just there for the food? Because that's me. Woo! All right, so I'd like to take a little survey. Um, who is, who's, oh, who's going for the Rams today? Where's my Rams people? Who is on, who's for, all for the Bengals? Yeah? This week, I, I had some, some friends help me figure out how to pronounce bangles. It's the same as the bracelet, right? Yeah, so that tells you where I'm at with football. So uh, I do like sports, I just, not, not football, but I love guacamole. Who's on team guacamole? Yes, touchdown, okay. Seven points, no, six points and then you kick it in, right? That's the seventh. See, I know a few things. Still haven't figured out how there's two points, three points. I don't know all that stuff, but I'm super excited for the food. And I am really proud of you because if you are an American who's on at church or watching online on Super Bowl Sunday, that means you are highly committed to Jesus. He's number one. Team Jesus. <laughs> That's who's really going to win today is Jesus. So I'm so excited. By the way, my name's Crystal. If we don't know each other, I'm a volunteer here. And I'm so excited to open up God's word with you. This is a library of books that I love, am obsessed with, have based my life on. And there's nothing I love more than to talk about what's in there. So um, you guys can already go ahead if you have an old-fashioned uh, paper copy of the Bible like I do. You can flip to Matthew chapter 25. We are going to be just camped out in that chapter all morning, but it will also be on the screen and online for our amazing online campus as well. So you can just get ready for that. And in the meantime, as you're turning to Matthew 25, I'm going to pray over our time in the word and ask that Jesus will move, open our ears, open our eyes and and help me deliver it the way it needs to come out. So Jesus, we are available. Like the song just said, we are available. Ears open. Let us be the ones who do listen the first time. And I, I believe that you specifically are wanting to speak to people in the room today about which uh, God-given talent you want them to use in your kingdom. And Lord, I pray that as this word is going forth in the next few minutes, just drop those words in people's minds, in their spirit. Just drop, drop, drop it. Lord, that we would even write it in a journal, maybe jot it in the note part of our phone, um, text a friend to hold us accountable, but speak words this morning to individuals about how you've called us to invest in the kingdom, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> Sorry. Ooh, had to get that out. Not COVID. Okay. <clears throat> It's dangerous to cough these days, right? You're at the grocery store and you're like, eh, I don't, wanna, don't want anyone to be afraid. So before we get into Matthew chapter 25, we got to talk about what is in chapter 24 first, because that gives us the context by, in which Jesus is speaking, because these two chapters, it's all one sermon that Jesus is, is doing, and he's speaking to his followers about the end times. So it's very important to know all of this is within the context of the end of days. What's going to happen? Jesus is saying, here are the signs. This is how it's going to be. This is what I'm going to do. And then when we get to chapter chapter 25, and a little bit in 24 also, Jesus is talking about how we must live in light of knowing that the days are few, that the end is near. 
that Jesus is going to return again. And if you're new and haven't read the Bible before, awesome. That's part of why we exist. Like, don't feel, don't feel bad if you're hearing a, a message and you're like, oh, I don't know any of this. Then great. Like, crack open the Bible, jump in with us. You are welcome here at East Hill no matter what stage you are at in your walk with Jesus, in your relationship to the Bible, you are welcomed in. So you may or may not know, we are already living in the end times. It was inaugurated after Jesus, he lived on the earth. He did ministry for three years. He died. He rose again. And as he left, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to send the helper, which is the Holy Spirit. From the time Holy Spirit arrives on the scene, we are living in the end of days. Um, it's, it's what some theologians call the already but not yet, meaning the kingdom has started. It is already here. Jesus talked about the kingdom that all the time. That was his message. The kingdom has come near you. It is already here. But it will be fully finished when we go to heaven and we're with Jesus and we are in his presence and we are invited to the, the wedding supper of the lamb, which we're going to hear about in a second. So this kingdom is already but not yet. So we've actually been living in the end times since Jesus left, but we're getting closer and closer and closer. And it's sure feeling close lately, isn't it? <laughs> we do not know the day or the hour, but we are called to stay on our toes and be ready. Every promise Jesus has made will be fulfilled. It will come to pass. So we cannot let our guard down. And that's a little bit of, of what this first section of Matthew 25 is about. This chapter is three sections, three stories that make the same point in three different ways. It's almost like looking at a photo from three different angles. Or in iPhone days, it could be the same photo. One's in portrait mode, one's in pan pano, one is in the normal you know, mode. But it's the same picture from different angles. Because Jesus was the master communicator. He knew how to use stories, how to weave them together. And these stories, the reason I have to preach them together is he's saying the same thing. And when Jesus is trying to say the same thing in three different ways, that means it's really important because he's repeating it. Just like I could relate to our worship leader, Rachel. I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old and constantly am I saying, listen the first time, right? So you know whenever a parent says something over and over and over that it's really important. Jesus was saying the same thing over and over. So the, the first one of the stories is often called the parable of 10 virgins. And you need to know that in the historic context that Jesus is in, um, it's really referring to bridesmaids. It's not so much important their sexual status of virgin. It's that women at that time were in three categories. <clears throat> Sorry, y'all. They're either young and still in their parents' house, unmarried, and they, they were called virgins, or they were married women, or they were widows. Those were kind of the three statuses um, that women had. So these ladies are young women, and they are a part of a bridal party. So this picture with the 10 virgins or the 10 bridesmaids, it's referring to a bridal party. And most of us have seen weddings, right? Guys and girls are on either side and they, the men are the, the entourage of the groom and the women are the entourage of the bride. And this is a bridal party that Jesus is describing. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'd invite you to spend some time this week reading all of chapter 25 for yourself. But basically what happens in the story is Jesus is saying there were 10 bridesmaids Five were foolish, 
five were wise. They were supposed to wait at the bride's house for the, the male part of the bridal party to arrive, and then the wedding would happen. In Jewish culture, weddings often happened at night, and kind of like we do now, the girls all get ready together, you know, the guys get ready, takes the girls away, the girls start at like eight in the morning for a 7 p.m. wedding, right? And the guys are just probably having fun, I don't know. It's not fair. So, um, that's kind of how it goes. The ladies are waiting, and it was a nighttime wedding. And they're waiting. And what happens is the, the foolish bridesmaids run out of oil in their lamps. The bridesmaids of that time, they didn't hold flower bouquets like we do now. They, they had to keep the lamps burning because it was dark. Remember, they didn't have like indoor lighting and plumbing like we do. They had to keep the light on so that people could see the wedding. And uh, the way the lanterns worked then, it'd be a dome. Uh, and inside of it, there were rags soaked in oil. When the oil runs out, the light goes out. The wise bridesmaids not only brought their lamp, but they brought extra oil to keep it burning just in case the bridegroom was late. And he was. <laughs> he wasn't at the time they expected, right? So these bridesmaids, they just had one job. One job. Have you guys heard that phrase? You had one job. <laughs> this applies to me really bad. My husband's here. He's going to laugh. He told me I should call this sermon, don't forget your wallet, because anytime I've got like one job, I have a terrible problem with forgetting whatever is the most important thing that I should not forget. Um, when, my, when Nate and I got married about, well, when we got married, I changed my last name to Perez, or Perez if you're white. So we cha I changed my last name to Perez, and then I have to get a new passport. And it, oh my gosh, that's a whole thing. It costs money, you have to wait for it. Passports are really frustrating, right? It, they can take forever, you get the picture. And by, by the way, that was frustrating because I had just gotten one a few years prior, but they don't let you fly places with, with your not legal last name. Turns out, you know, there's a no fly list and stuff. So you really, I'm not on it, um, you really, <laughs> have to have the correct last name. So I go through this whole process and somehow, even though I, this time I did start early because uh, Nate and I were gonna go to Italy for our first anniversary. And so I started months out, I do the process, I'm waiting on the passport. Well, then I get a notice that it's delayed. I'm like, no, you don't understand. This is the one thing I need to get into the country. I mean, I wanted cute clothes, you know, I wanted, I need with hair like this, you need hair products. Um, you gotta have some makeup on an anniversary trip. There are all these things, but guess what? None of them matter that much, right? What matters the most? The passport. Cause you can always buy clothes when you get there. So my, I ended up having to call and expedite the passport, which means I had to pay even more money to get it there faster. It arrived the day before the international flight. I was so happy. I even took a picture on my Instagram covering all important secret information on my passport. I was like, look, it came. I was so excited. So you know what they do? They send you back in the envelope your old passport that had my maiden name on it with a big hole right, right through, through your face or your name and then they send you the new one with your correct new last name so the day comes we're so excited to go to Italy 
and we're flying down, and that time we lived in California, we're flying down Pacific Coast Highway through Malibu to LAX, taking the ocean way. I mean, I was excited. And we're like halfway there, and I'm like, I get I have a feeling. You know that feeling? Like the parents on Home Alone? You get like this feeling that maybe you forgot the most important thing. And I, I open my purse, I'm like, oh, no, there's a pass. I have my passport. Oh. And I open it up and I'm like, oh, it's the one with the hole punched through my face with the last name Sanford on it. And there's no way they're gonna let me on an international flight with this. And we turn around, we speed back down, going north actually, back up PCH, and we, we try and, and we're already calculating the time. I already knew that there was no way we were gonna make it back home and back to LAX in time. And indeed, it, had, it turned into a whole thing where we had to reschedule our flight and add like 10 hours of travel time and miss a day in Rome, all because I couldn't do the one. I had one job. And I was, first service I told, this is how bad it is, first service I told them two stories about when I've left my wallet places just last month, okay? So that's why Nate said I should call this, don't forget your wallet. Don't forget the one most important thing. And this is my point number one, that the bridesmaids, the foolish ones, forgot to buy oil. All they had to do was keep the lamp burning. Brothers and sisters, we have a job to do. We have a job to do. It's that simple. That's why it's point number one. We have a job to do as believers. We're not just called to sit around and exist. We actually have a job to do, and we can't forget to lose focus on the fact that we are called to invest in the kingdom of God. We got one job. He got one job. It's going to look different for every person, but don't be like me and forget your passport. (laughs) Don't be like the bridesmaids, the foolish bridesmaids who bring the the lamp but not the oil. Don't forget to lose focus, or excuse me, don't lose focus (laughs) and forget to do the one most important thing, and that's that you have a job to do. What's great is that Matthew 25 in the next section, I said there's three stories. Well, really two stories and a sermonette. The second section tells us what that job is. This is Matthew 25, 14 through 30, and it's known famously as the parable of the 10 talents. The version we're gonna read today in IV calls them bags of gold because a talent was a huge amount of money. It was the biggest amount that they had. So it'd be kind of like trillion dollars. Like it's not like it was a literal bill. There's no trillion dollar bill but it was the biggest amount of money they had a word for in their culture. Okay, does that make sense? So in our culture, we would just call it um, Jeff Bezos. So, yeah. (laughs) So here we go. Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags. And to another, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off 
dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold and I have gained two more. He also doubled his investment. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Same response. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man and harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master, you would think, oh good, he didn't lose it. But let's see what the master says. You wicked, lazy servant, you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and I gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Woo, serious ending on that, right? I guess God takes investing seriously. We learned that last week, right? Pastor Keith talked about investing our money. Today we're gonna be talking about how do we invest ourselves. And our money's a huge part of that because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our, our treasure tells you a lot about who we are, and our time and our talent tells you a lot about what we care about. Did you notice in this story, the point is to multiply, not to have them all. One person had one, one person had two, one person had five. If the guy with one would have brought back even two, he would have gotten the same response from the master, who would have said, well done. Good and faithful servant, come and enter into the happiness that I've built for you. The point is to invest. And that's point number two. We have talents to invest. We have talents to invest. You really, really do. The five and the the ten talent person each got the same reward, didn't they? And that tells me that it is not about which talent you have or how many, but what you do with it. 1 Corinthians 12 is a beautiful chapter about the parts of the body. And it's talking about the body of Christ as a metaphor about how we are all, uh, and did you guys know we all make up the body of Christ? Metaphorically, there's fingers, there's eyes, there's hand, hands, feet, knees, and, and the scripture is saying, well, what if, what if the hand says to the arm, I don't need you? Or what if the foot says to the knee, I don't need you? We need every single part of the body. And, and 1 Corinthians 12 even says the parts that are unseen, he's even talking about the private parts of us, we cover them. Hopefully you all cover them. Okay. <laughs> It's a different sermon. I also love that sermon too. So we cover up 
all of the parts that need to be hidden, it's actually not a bad thing to be hidden. So are our kidneys, so is our liver, so is our heart. How important are all the things that go on inside our body that you can't see? We don't all get to be the manny, okay? This is an at-home one, it's not that good of a manicure, right? We all want, we usually all want to be the seen part of the body, but the parts that aren't seen are often the most important. And they can sometimes have the greatest kingdom impact. And that's why I want to tell you about one of our servants here. You may not know him or you may. He serves in Kids Zone, and he is my three-year-old's Sunday school teacher. And she loves this man. You can throw up the picture. They call him Grandpa Fred. And <laughs> so cute. Penny's the younger one, and that he is her Sunday school teacher. Of course, Priscilla had to get in the photo, but th- the next one is just the two of them. She loves him. She sprints down the hall into his arms. She spends the entire time trying to wrestle him to the ground. And she's just so used to like trying to push her daddy over the, all the time. And she thinks she can do the same thing to Grandpa Fred. And I just, she loves him, loves him. And so the other day I, I said, hey, um, Fred, my daughter just adores you. How long have you been teaching Sunday school? He said, 40, about 40 years. Isn't that amazing? And when I got to thinking about this sermon and about this message about the talents, think of the long-term impact that this man has made. If he's been teaching Sunday school for 40 years, If he had 23-year-olds in every class, and each of them, and probably sometimes it was an even bigger class, if each of those kids has family, both immediate and extended family, if each of those kids has a classroom at school, a teacher, they grow up to tell other kids about Jesus. They, They grow up to be influencers who are on fire for God and have kids of their own. I mean, I think it's a minimum that he has touched a million people by now. So can you imagine what Jesus is going to say to Fred when he reaches his time? Wow, well done, good and faithful servant. He took a love for kids and year after year, Sunday school class after Sunday school class, wrestling match after wrestling match with those three-year-olds. He has invested in a way that is changing history. That's way more, he he way has more than doubled the investment. God put gifts into every single one of us. You don't need to have one that is visible. It can be one that is behind the scenes, but sometimes some of us uh, have this insecurity where we don't want to be called to anything visible. Anyone, can anyone relate to that? Like, yeah, like, don't put me anywhere where I'm going to be seen. Some of us feel that way at some times. Um, when, when Nate and I moved back, for me, this is my hometown, it was new for him. When we moved back and came to East Hill two years ago, and uh, Pastor Keith was, like, trying to plug me in in all these different places to serve, and I was like, listen, I don't want to be up front on anything, Okay. I want to do lyrics and I want to do camera and I'm going and, and which I love so much. They haven't put me on the schedule lately. Uh, I think it's <laughs> I think it's because I move too much. But anyway, I wanted to do those roles. I was like, do not. I'll do anything, but I, I don't want to be in front of people. He's like, no, mm, that's not what we're gonna do. 
And like two weeks later was when the pandemic started and, and he called me up and he's like, listen, we're going to do like a pre-service like kind of talk show thing where, where you, you and Nate can uh, relate to people and talk about the, how the week has gone before service starts. And I was like, yeah, I'll run camera for that. I would love to film that. He's like, no, you're going to talk. Like, no, I, I didn't want to do that. Some of us have times in our lives where we're like, no, no, no. And he's like, no, you, you have that communication gift and I'm, I'm asking you to use it for the body. And I, I don't tell my pastor no. I just don't because I believe that Jesus uses, when it's a healthy person, it's not always, and that's a, another different sermon. But when... I am submitted to godly leaders in my life and they ask me to serve in a way and they say, I see a gift in you. I'm going to at least give it a really good try and say, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to give it my best try. I'm going to invest. Sometimes Jesus gives us a talent that's just like a little seed and then we have to do work to get better at it. That's where the discipline comes in, right? So some of us have musical giftings, but we just won't put in the time to practice our scales. Is that getting at anybody? (laughs) Some of us know we have a book to write, but we will not sit at the computer and practice writing every day something that nobody will see. Some of us have a gift where we know that we have hospitality and we could host a small group in our home but we just don't know if we're ready to force ourselves out of our social bubble yet. And we just don't feel like we're ready to take a step of the gift of hospitality. And Jesus is saying, yes, use it. I gave you gifts. I gave you talents. Take them and put them in the ground and see what I will do. So how do you find out what your gifts are? First, you got to ask the right questions. Ask the right questions. We don't want to sit and ask what will bring me the most glory? What could, what could make me the most money? What could, although God can use money for good, right? We learned about that last week. But it's not about what will, what will get me on a stage, what will bring me glory, what will make me look good on my Instagram. The question is, what talent do I have that can bring the most glory to God? Another great one is, what does my community need right now? What does my city need right now? What does my church community need right now? You can't go wrong with that. And and then start to think and explore, what am I good at? Um, We all have natural talents and abilities. If you don't know what yours are, ask the people close to you and they'll say, okay, I really see you shine and I really see you come to life when you pray for people. Or I really see you come to life when when you plan a party. Or I really see you come to life when you go to the food bank and you serve people and you pray for them. Ask other people to speak into it and then look at your life and where have you been bad at things and where have you been good at things? Um, Today, it's Jersey Sunday. I'm wearing my Little League baseball jersey from third grade, believe it or not. I am talented at collecting vintage clothes. I'm not talented, it turns out, at baseball. Number eight, because I was eight years old. That's how old it is. And we were so bad that I can't remember we either won one game or we almost won one game. I just remember there was this day that I was so excited and I don't remember if it was from almost winning or winning. 
And, and my husband laughs at me about that because so I love sports and I love competition, but see, I, I'm not good at anything with fine motor skills or spatial reasoning. <laughs> That's the thing. So I loved volleyball and I played it for six years, but by the time senior year rolls around, um, I've heard high school sports still work this way. If you don't make varsity, you're gonna get cut by senior year, right? Like, come on, by the time, by the time it's your last year, you don't make varsity, it's not the sport for you. And don't be thinking you're gonna get a college scholarship, right? Uh, so as I was coming into senior year, I knew that I was gonna quit while I was ahead. Like I really didn't wanna go through like tryouts and being cut. And because I knew inevitably I was going to get cut. And so I'm like, you know what? You know who doesn't cut? The cross country team. <laughs> so they'll literally let anyone run because you can be at the very back of the line and they'll let you finish the course. So I was like, I'm signing up for long distance running, okay? I want to play a sport. And I signed up and it turned out I was good at it. And that was really exciting. Uh, not that great, but I actually made it all the way to varsity and worked my way up as I went through the year to getting to some pretty competitive levels because I discovered while I don't have fine motor skills or spatial reasoning, I can go and 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 never quit. That is what I can do. <laughs> So you got to figure out what that one thing is, or some of you have more talents, right? I think when I, when I hear that verse, like take away what that, what the person who didn't invest, take away what they, what they didn't work on and give it to someone else. Maybe that's why we see some of these people like Rachel with like 20 talents. I'm like, whose talent did Jesus give her? Right? I mean, drums, piano, guitar, voice, preaching, right? Like somebody... Somebody must have lost a few of theirs by not investing, okay? I'm just saying, that must be what happens, right? If you don't use it, you will lose it. So he gives us a natural talent, and we do have to look at what am I good at naturally, but also don't let that be an excuse to not develop your underdeveloped talents, okay? That's not an excuse, so that's why you need people to speak into you. Take an online spiritual gifts assessment. There's different personality tests that will help you know what you're good at. Strengths Finders is one that I love. It gives you your top strengths. And that's how I found out that communication was one of my top five. You'll find out what your top five are. Maybe you have empathy and you're like, oh, that's why I feel everybody's feelings. Oh, did you know that's a strength? <laughs> <laughs> Or you find out you have, there's one of them called command and you're like, oh, everyone always told me I was bossy. That's actually a gift you can use for good. It really is. There has to be a boss in every situation. And there has to be really, really good followers who have the gift of helps. There have to be people with the gift of administration. None of this would happen if we didn't have administrators, leaders, servants. Um, 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11 says this. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So one thing I caught in that verse. He says, if anyone speaks, they should do it 
this way. If anyone serves, they should do it with all the strength God provides. He's putting serving and speaking on the exact same level. So I'm telling you that what I get to do today, that I'm very scared of doing, speaking on a stage, that is the same thing as the, the amazing team who cleans the bathroom between services. In fact, according to Jesus, they are more important because they're not getting thanks. Serving, speaking, it's all the same to Jesus. Whatever your gift is, use it. You don't have to seek after the ones that will win human approval. We're just here for God's approval. So sometimes your talents are are obvious. Sometimes you need help from people. But be creative as you think too. There's places to serve outside the church and inside the church. Our community has food banks. We have nonprofits you can volunteer with. There's outreaches that go on. There are schools you can help with, kids you can go read to, hospitals where you can partner with a hospital chaplain and go in and say, hey, I'd like to pray for sick people. How amazing would that be? You can hold babies, I don't know right now with COVID, used to be you could go hold babies in the NICU, right? And pray over babies who are struggling to to make it. Um, There's so much to do. And then inside the church, you can be an usher, a greeter, worship team. There is tech team. Yeah, yeah, I was talking about the cameras and the lyrics people. I love you guys so much. There is an online team. Even if you're like, man, I'm not that social like in, in person, but I, I'm really good typing. We have an online host team that actually gets to pray for people and engage online. There's so many ways that you can serve. And of course, I mentioned Grandpa Fred. Our kids are the best, okay, one of the best, I shouldn't rank, one of the best places you could possibly serve. I'm telling you, I would not be here today if I didn't have Sunday school teachers who poured into my life all of my upbringing. Just do something. Don't let indecision keep you from doing things. Um, our, Our world right now, we have so many options. We have too many options. You know when you go to the restaurant, okay, Cheesecake Factory, um, and the menu, right, is this magazine. You're like, oh, that sounds good. That sounds good. That sounds good. And we have so many options now. And, and there's so many ways to use our talents, especially with the advent of, of the internet. It can almost be crippling. Do you guys know what I mean? Especially so my generation and definitely those younger than me, everyone about five years younger than me have grown up with the internet their whole life. And there's this nine feeling that you could be grinding at all times because you, you should have a side hustle. You could be building your, your business. You should be on your platform doing, 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 doing. And that can be the very trap that the enemy uses to keep us from making a quality investment because we are paralyzed by too many options. I feel that way sometimes. So what I'm saying is get good people in your life Get some good tools to choose and focus on which few of your giftings you're going to put down in the ground. Choose wisely, and they might change in different seasons. This might be the season to lead a small group, and then there might be a season to be on worship team. Then there might be a season to do outreach. You don't have to do everything all at one time, because remember, we do have a God of the Sabbath also, okay? We do have to rest on the seventh day. (laughs) We get to. 
Don't be paralyzed by indecision. And when it gets too hard and there's too many options and it's overwhelming, here's what's really cool. The third part of this chapter tells us we have people to serve. Number three, we have people to serve. This is great. If you either have so many talents that you don't know which to choose or you're on the other end of the spectrum and you think you don't have any talents and you don't know what to choose, great. I have a great suggestion for you. How about you serve the least of these? Because that's how Jesus ends this chapter. And I'm going to read it to you. When the Son of Man comes in glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another as the, the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. The king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord. They're like, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe, clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers or sisters, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. They will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This chapter, I wish I could tell you that this is like a self-help book about discovering your talents and that everything is just about you becoming the greatest you, living your best life now, and that is what happens when you use your talents. You actually do feel fulfilled. But our talents are not just for self-fulfillment. This is telling us they have a very serious kingdom consequence. And the reason I wanted to show you this picture of all three sections is that all three end the same way. They all three end with a super serious divide between those who go in to eternal life with Christ and those who go the other way. This is solemn. It's actually really serious what we do with our time. We are in the end times. Time is short. This isn't all about us. It feels like it is, but it's not. This life for Jesus is about doing something that will make a difference. The Bible actually tells us that we can speed his return. Did you know that? Not crazy that by by being a part of the kingdom that reaches every single tongue, tribe, and nation, 
and to make sure that everyone knows the gospel because he's not coming back until people of every tribe, tongue, and language have heard the good news of Jesus Christ. And Gresham has how many languages? I don't know. A ton. (laughs) Right in our city, we have so many languages spoken. We have so many different people groups who do not even know that Jesus loved them, died on the cross for their sins, and rose again. And there's a lot of places to go travel to and tell them the word too. But when all else fails or if you get overwhelmed by where to invest your talent, serve the least of these. And, and Jesus in context, by the way, he, he was talking to his disciples and he said the least of these. So he's not just saying go to the streets, although we need that out there. He's saying also serve your brothers and sisters, the widows and the orphans, those in prison, those sick, in your own church family. Serve, love. We have a co-drive coming up next week. I mean, how amazing is that to think that we could have the chance in one week just by bringing a coat that we don't use right now, or maybe you could sacrifice one you love, bring it and donate it, and you get to do exactly what Jesus just said. I was cold and you gave me a coat. I was hungry and you fed me. There's prison ministries where you can go in and partner with a prison chaplain and love. Do you know how many people I know who got saved in prison? Tons, tons. Jesus is alive and working. There's so many ways you can be involved in kingdom work, but we gotta get going. It has eternal consequences. And as much as this chapter ends in a really scary way that makes me like take a deep breath and say, man, am I a sheep or a goat? Which, which way am I going? It also is assuring to know in this world full of options where I want to make, the, make sure I'm living Crystal's best life. I, I read this and I say, I see he's not going to ask me at the end if I wrote that book I was thinking about. If I ever recorded my EP with the songs I wrote, he's not gonna ask if I ever hit 10,000 followers. He doesn't care if my YouTube channel got monetized. He doesn't care how big I got or if I made the most of my brand. He doesn't care. He said, did you feed me? Did you clothe me? Did you come visit me in print? That's it. He doesn't ask about the other stuff. And we will be known by what we invest into. And please hear me, I'm not saying that we are saved by works. That's not what the word says. Whoever believes in their heart and confesses with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord is saved. But the book of James tells us faith without works is dead. And that's because what you love, you put time into, you put heart into, and you put money into. What we invest into reveals who we really are. That's why Jesus will come and say, I never knew you. Or he'll come and say, I, oh, you're, yeah, I know you. I know you, you're my coworker. You are my kingdom coworker. We've been at this hand of the plow together for years. I wanna be the one that Jesus recognizes as his colleague in the ministry, don't you? So as we end today, I'm inviting you into this commitment. For some of you, like me, I'm, I'm in the first one group here. I need to be reignited in my calling to give myself away to the work of Jesus. By the way, you do not need to be a professional to do this, okay? 
those who are called to be pastors, teachers, evangelists, the book of Ephesians says that their job is to equip the saints for work of ministry. If you are saved, you are in full-time ministry. It's not professionals on a stage who you get to watch and like, yay, good job. No, this is our job. In fact, how cool, I'm not on staff here. I'm a volunteer like you. We are called to this life. It is a lifelong commitment to say, I will give the time, I'll get uncomfortable, and I'll give it away to Jesus. If you're in that first group that is saying, okay, I need to take some time and, and relook at how I'm using my gifts, then would you stand up with me right now and you're saying, hey, I'm gonna make a renewed commitment this morning. Thank you all over the room if you're making that commitment. I'm standing with you. And then second, yeah, keep on standing if you're saying, hey, I'm, I'm standing to give myself away to the kingdom. Secondly, if you are saying, this is a first time thing for me, I'm new to Jesus and I never knew I was called to full-time ministry. I thought it was for the professionals or you kind of understood, but you haven't yet jumped in. And you're saying today, no, today's the day. I'm actually saying I'm all in. I'm going to not just be an observer, a listener, a podcast listener, a book reader, but I am going to jump in and give myself away to the work of ministry. I'm available. If that's you, would you join us and stand on up right now? And we're going to be, come on, stand up right now. If you're saying, yes, that's me, I want to do that, then stand with me. And we're going to worship and we're going to sing a song because the words that we sing and say, they matter. Part of why we do this whole worship and praise where we say words is because Rachel said it earlier, what we say becomes true. It becomes true or it's reinforcing something that's already true that we need to be reminded of. So we're gonna make that commitment. I'm not gonna ask people to come forward today. This is an altar call right in your seats. If you're saying, Jesus, put me, put me in coach, Super Bowl Sunday, I want to be on your team. I want to serve you in the work of the ministry. Just stand with me right now and let's, let's sing and make this commitment together.